everyone. It's, it's a real privilege to be here with you. Um, as Pastor Jeff was just saying, we had a few challenges in coming here. First, it was to hear that, you know, God wanted us to come. Um, and a lot of things arrayed themselves to convince us that we were not to come. And I believe that throughout it all, it was the thought that um, when Paul made a lot of his uh, missionary journeys, a lot of them were not easy. And a lot of times he knew that he was going to face opposition. A lot of times God revealed to him what would happen, but that did not deter him. And so, you know, I, it's not because we are extra good people, no. Um, it's the mercy of God. And God does show himself so much so that man cannot take the glory. So we cannot take the glory. Uh, we are thankful. We are grateful to be here. Um, Pastor Hans came some years ago um, to accompany Rev. And he came back speaking very highly of you. And he said, yes, you must come and meet them. And, you know, I had the privilege of um, seeing Sister Abby um, in London, along with my other sister, <laughs> my lovely sister there, yes. Um, and, you know, they were an introduction. Um, but coming here and having met the rest of you, it's, I, I mean, I must say you are wonderful, you are lovely, you are everything, Pastor Han said that you were. And, you know, I want to use that to say that in the eyes of God, you are very precious. And I'm sure that God is not random. Anyone here thinks God is random? No, God is very intentional he's very specific nothing that god says or does is by chance he doesn't just say things because it's good to say you know um so when we are here and we're hearing things they are very precious i know when each speaker comes there it's it's almost as if they're saying the same thing in different ways but that doesn't lessen the strength of it. It doesn't lessen the value of it. It comes from each individual who have certain experiences that God has spoken to in different ways. And so they, they share this and they give of themselves. So with that in mind, there is something I need to do, which in times past i have wondered about so you know our um, entrance into egfm was is a long story and please bear with me if i go back to it <laughs> so first of all um i always marveled at how um ministers will come up and i'll be sitting there very eager to hear the word and they'd be taking 15 minutes to greet <laughs> very unusual so you know that's not what I'm used to you know 
And I'd, I'd say, why, why are they glorifying man? It's, you know, it's God who is to get the glory, you know? And for a long time, I thought that way. And, you know, but they were my brethren and, you know, they're my fathers. They're my bigger brothers, my bigger sisters. And, you know, with that, I knew there was something in it. And I believe that recently God really showed me you know, what, what it was that even as Pastor Hans came up and was saying that, you know, you can see Pastor Jeff and you say, oh, what a man of God, you know, he's very musical, you know, he's a born leader, but you wouldn't really appreciate the person who is behind all of that. Um, and so with all these names and all these faces, there is a person, there are stories, there are experiences behind all of that. So when the ministers come up to greet, it is because they have had experiences. When Pastor Maker is greeting Reverend Kay and saying all the things he's saying is because of his experiences with Reverend Kay. And when we first came into Word of Righteousness, and believe me, at that point, I didn't even know it was called the Word of Righteousness. <laughs> it was, um, we, oh, it's a long story. But, yes, I remember, you know, hearing, I believe it was Pastor Thompson first. And it so happened, it was because Pastor Thompson was in our very good friend's house, Pastor K, you know, and, 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 and Sister Fede K, who are very special to us. Um, and we were standing there arguing some points about demon possession in believers, you know, thinking that, well, yes, we really know what we were talking about. And, we, and Pastor Thompson stood there and he listened. And, you know, to me, then Pastor Thompson was this slim pastor that we heard were visiting. And he had this high hairdo and, you know, he was just there standing like this. <laughs> not saying anything and we talked i think we went on for maybe one to two hours seriously and it so happened that my mother-in-law was there it was yeah she was there pastor thompson kept quiet he kept quiet and then finally we turned to him and say oh pastor thompson what do you think and then pastor thompson started talking and we were oh 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 okay i mean he silenced us he really did but what that experience landed was the thought, oh, there is something here. And then we later learned that he was affiliated with Reverend K, who I did not know. And eventually when I heard that they were having a convention in London, you know, a retreat, it was Easter retreat. And Pastor Han said, oh, Katie, I'm going to go. I was like, okay, off with you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> at, at that time, we were in a church, um, which we believe God led us to, and I will explain later why we believe God led us there. And please bear with me. It might seem like I'm telling stories, but there's a reason behind it all. Okay. So, yeah, so Pastor Hans went to the Easter retreat and heard things. After the first session, he came back. He called me. I wasn't there because I was home taking care of the kids. 
And he said, oh, Kadian, you know, these, these people, they're speaking great things, you know, things that perhaps this is what we've been looking for. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yes, okay. Another church thing, okay. Um, we'll see. And, you know, Pastor Hans stayed on for the next session. But after he came home, he was saying, really, Kadian, you know, you need to go and see. And my response to him at the time was, oh, I'm tired of church. Imagine. And that came from something. And yes, I repent of it, definitely. And it came out of a, a frustration of not seeing the church where it ought to be. And at that time, I had lost all hope in, in believing that the church could get to where it needs to be. I, I saw, I grew up in church, Baptist church, yes. Baptist church is great for certain things. The thing about the Baptist church is they taught, we knew Bible stories. Boy, we knew Bible stories. You know, that, that was great about it. We, we, we wouldn't be in the church and not know, oh, what this story was about. But it didn't go much beyond that. And then you knew, okay, in order to be saved, we need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you are sinful, you need to be cleansed. You know, you make the confession and you believe. But um, it, the church didn't teach my, at least when I was there, about the Holy Spirit. So that was not really known. And after I got baptized, which was a whole other long story, at the age of 15, um, I thought, oh, what's next? Okay, I mustn't lie anymore. I mustn't steal anymore. I'm not sure what I was stealing, maybe food. Um, <laughs> and, you know, all those things. I said, oh, is that what we do? Okay, afterwards. So those questions, and then when we had communion, and they said, oh, you know, if you, if you have sins that you have not confessed, you know, don't come and take communion. <laughs> so I'd sit there and be, oh, what sin, what sin did I commit this week? You know, it was that sort of situation. Anyway, let's go back to where I was. So. Yes, I was explaining, and there were many things that happened in the subsequent years. But, you know, I'm saying all of this, and I need to get back to where I need to be. <laughs> so, all of that, I'm, I'm showing you how we came into Word of Righteousness, and all the people, and, you know, it was first seeing the quality of a person that pulled us in. And I mean, when I first heard Reverend Case speak, I didn't understand 90% of what he was saying. And I felt, but there is something here. I felt in the spirit that there are so many things Reverend Case was saying, and I had not a clue what he was talking about. And there were other people around who, you know, were in this for some time, and they're all shaking their heads and saying amen. And I thought, but okay something here i don't understand it but i will trust god that in time i will understand it and so over the years we attended more meetings and came into greater understanding 
and to the point where we ended up pledging ourselves to go to Nigeria. Intention was to be for two years. We were there for four months. But thank God we made the trip. <laughs> and I'm very, very grateful to all, to everyone in Nigeria who were there. Everyone. I can't, I can't give you all the names. I really can't. And I, I can start by saying yes. I greet Reverend Kay, Reverend Helen, who is in Austria. And as I say, I greet Reverend K, Reverend Helen. They're very special to us. Not just to me and Pastor Hans, but to our family. And we have seen them over the years. And I'm, I believe I'm saying this because I want you to see who you are following. The, <laughs> let me say, let's say, I, I will say the world. <laughs> has taught us to be very um, distrusting of others, um, very skeptical, always looking for the fault in others, for the bad things in others. And we don't deny that we have bad things or had bad things, um, but that is not what the scriptures encourage us to do. So I remember the, you know, the first times when I would go through 1 Corinthians 13 and I'd read it and I'd say, surely this is not humanly possible. How can a man love like that? No, no, no. Paul does not know what he's talking about. Oh, maybe he's talking about God. Yeah, that's how God loves. That was my level of reasoning. Um, very low. Um, and truly, yes, it's not humanly possible. But by God, it is possible. And that is what we are called into. And I won't go into 1 Corinthians 13. So Reverend Kay, thank you. And, and Reverend Helen. And I could tell you many things, many stories. But I have come to trust Reverend Kay. I've come to trust Reverend Helen. I believe what they speak is what they live. I believe what they preach is what they live. I have seen it. And I know you see them up here and you can marvel at, oh, what wonderful words. Wow, you know, he's pulling things down from the throne. And you, you can marvel at that, but just know that that came from somewhere. It came as a result of them being led. Yes, just as we are being led and, you know, as we have been learning, you know, the leading comes on from different levels. But I also want to say to you, all of you, I don't know how many are in this hall, maybe 150, haven't been counting, but you may think that in the vast expanse of Canada, you are but few. But just also remember that Jesus, when he walked the earth, had, well, three that were very close. And maybe one out of the three that was really, really close. Then he had 12, then he had 40, as Pastor Pax was saying, and he had 120, and many more. Um, but the thing about it is, it did not really matter what the numbers were. 
what mattered was how God was working out his will in the hearts of men. And all those followers and disciples had each had their tasks to perform, their roles to pick up. And so we all have our roles to pick up. And yes, we can give credits to our leaders, those who have been placed over us, but also know that because of what God is pouring out now, we all have a responsibility. And I, I wouldn't want anyone who's sitting here, the only ones I will excuse are the babies who are probably not understanding what we're saying, but no one has an excuse to then after all that you have heard over these days to walk away, to not be changed, to not increase, to not become what God is saying we ought to become. This that you are hearing is very, very precious. I don't know if I can emphasize that enough. It is very precious. It is the thing that's meant to build us up. And Pastor Jeff, was it you that came up with the theme? Yes. Well, it's been, it is a wonderful, great theme because as Pastor Thompson said, it was, it is the essence of God's heart. And it's so very important. And I think on coming, I didn't know what the theme was until I came. And, but since then, it is as if through all that I'm hearing, God has opened up so much. And I, I really don't want us to take that for granted. Please don't take it for granted. Everything that you hear, um, and even when your body's telling you, oh, I am tired. You know, we were talking about that last night, you know, fight the good fight. Really fight. You have to fight. Don't think that you're wasting your time sitting here for six hours per session to listen to the word. The world will tell you that is absolute foolishness. But we know the foolishness of the world is the wisdom of God. So I move on from Reverend Kay. I just want to greet Pastor Emeka, Pastor Lillian, who, you know, even their lives, you know, I, I may not have had, you know, a lot of one-to-one -one conversations with Pastor Emeka and Pastor Lillian, but I have seen their life. I have seen it. And I, I believe that they are wonderful people. Um, you know, I go to Pastor Thompson. I said, yes, started with Pastor Thompson. But much apart from that time when we met Pastor Thompson, Pastor Thompson continued to be a source of strength for us. Because at that time, yes, we were in a church, but we were struggling. And Pastor Thompson never once said, hey, get up and leave. <laughs> he never did. He encouraged us. He would come you know, they, I mean, what you see now is so different to what it was. And I re, I'm really thankful that we had those experiences. This was when Pastor Thompson, Reverend Kay, Reverend Helen, they'd all come. They'd come and spend weeks with us in the UK. And they were just spending those weeks building us up. Yes, evening sessions, after work, we'd be sitting there listening I remember one night, Pastor Thompson came by, and he was just meeting with Pastor Hans, myself, Pastor Kay, and Sister Fadike. And yes, we were pouring out all our problems to him. And he just sat there, as he did when I first met him. He was like, hmm, you know, all wisdom. 
And then he looked at us, so we had issues. He said, oh, well, you women, you need to pray. You need to pray. And we were like, hmm, we've been praying, you know, we've been praying. And yeah, the truth is, yeah, we weren't praying the right way. So, and, but Pastor Thompson that evening spent, he preached and preached to us. And we sat at the table and we, we started listening. But after some hours, asleep. And in my sleep, I could hear Pastor Thompson preaching. And I thought, wow, he's still preaching. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Pastor Thompson was not deterred. He just preached, and I was, yes, I said, wow. But those things spoke volumes, you know, for someone to do that. And not only that, Pastor Thompson would come, and you know, he was taking our children to school, and he was picking them up. You know, those things spoke volumes. Uh, and Pastor Thompson didn't need to expound, you know, oracles of God to us. He did do that, but just his actions and the way he lived. And so, you know, I, I would like to honor that, you know, and I, and I honor, you know, Pastor Dupe, who sent him all those times, you know, Reverend K, lots of sacrifice. I can't tell you enough what the sacrifices were. Um, yes. And there was something that happened, and it profoundly affected me even more than everything else when it came to Pastor Thompson and, and Pastor Dupe. So I just want to say, I love you, Pastor Thompson, wherever you are. I haven't seen you in the UK, but I'm, I'm really thankful for you. And, you know, I just want to greet the other pastors in Nigeria, Pastor Tope, Pastor Ken, Pastor Tayo, and I've written them down so I don't forget. Um, Reverend Basui, who probably isn't hearing me. And, you know, Pastor Ladejo, Pastor Demiji, you know. Um, there are so many others. Um, yeah, I can't tell you enough how much they mean to us. And we can, we can talk about the great men, but these great men, they have great wives, and I am thankful for their wives. And, and there were some wives that, that I didn't see or meet, get to know very well, but they were a, a, a strength and a strong tower behind their husbands. And, you know, that is so important. It's, it's such a, a precious thing. And, you know, and this is what the enemy fights against. You know, we know what is out there. He fights against marriages. He, he fights against the fact that a man should marry a woman. And he's trying his very best to make it not so. But don't worry, you know, that will be taken care of. I know he's working relentlessly out there. I mean, we, we go out there and we marvel. Jaws hung open, but, you know, let not our jaws hang open. You know, that, that is the way of the world. And the enemy is having his way with the world. Oh, he's having a field day. Um, but, you know, I thank God for, you know, the pastor's wives. And then I want to go to London, fellowship in London. We have been small, very few in number. I, I mean, compared to you, we are small. <laughs> 
but you know God just gathered a group of people who had a heart for him and were pursuing him and I believe God perceived that and you know this is why the servants of God came and were teaching us and encouraging us um, through the challenges because as you know when you are in a developed so-called developed country you know the challenges can be very many and anyway we'll get into that after but you know I just want to greet Dr. Lamy, Mommy Lamy or oh, Dr. Lamy <laughs> I, I look at Dr. Lamy as the father that I lost my father passed I didn't grew up with him for some years but you know Dr. Lamy reminds me of him of course my father was nowhere near the the spiritual man that Dr. Lamy is but you know I, I look at Dr. Lamy as my father and Dr. Lamy also made sacrifices he left things behind in order to follow what God called him to and you know you could look at it as oh so why why did he do all of that you know his career was great he's a fantastic surgeon very brilliant um, yet still he counted that all but dung in order to follow God and you may also see him as oh Dr. Lamy you know you're getting on in years why are you doing this you know leave it to the young people but I thank God that he has not left it to the young people because the young people need him as well. Um, so, you know, I greet Pastor Pax and my sister Zandi. Do forgive me, I'll be calling my sisters my sisters. They are pastors, yes. And, you know, even with pastors, I must say we've had problems with pastors, when I say. We went, oh, why everybody have to be called a pastor or you know so many pastors or why the but even you know with this theme I've come to realize oh there is there is meaning behind it there are meanings there's meaning in a name and in the title of pastor pastor is a shepherd pastor is the pasture and they are the ones that feed the flock so even your wives who you know maybe in the background they're they're doing the same um, so I want them to hear that all my London brethren um, Pastor Zuka you know Sister Rina Pastor Uzo Sister Sylvia I've mentioned Pastor K and Sister Fadeke and Pastor K Sister Fadeke oh they are great value to, uh, how can I we met Pastor Kay and Sister Vadike in that church that you know I said we had some you know we were t and bear bear with me I do not have any regrets being there they you know you ask Pastor Hans they they helped us when we went into that church they helped it was just that it, we got to a point where God was saying, yeah, some move on to and and this it goes to show, you know, we all have our stories, but it's important to know that when God is leading you, that he will lead you. And it, it doesn't mean that you take that leading and be 
and you be out of order, meaning you turn your backs on the people who helped you, or you disregard them, or you speak ill of them. And I will confess, I did have moments when I didn't say the right things or feel the right way towards others. Um, and I thank God that by his mercies, I've, I've come to see that and to repent of it. And I also encourage you to repent of it if you have done that. Um, we have our beginnings and we must not despise it. No matter how hard it was, how difficult, how much opposition you had, there was a reason behind it because God has brought you here now. And it doesn't mean that you will not continue to have the opposition. Because that, that is what happens. You know, the, you don't only face opposition the fact that you're going to lose your life. It's not about being killed by wild animals in a Roman Colosseum or having your head chopped off or being burnt at the stake. It's not that, you know, as First Corinthians say, those people who did it, I thank God for them because that was nev that's not an easy thing to do anyway, you know. Um, but they had a, a revelation of Jesus. And, you know, for them it was we walk in his footsteps. And I do not believe that the calling for us is to not do that. We may now live in a time, and believe me, this might be what Canada is or the U.S. or the U.K., but there are parts in the world where anyone who professes to know Christ or to believe in him, they will be killed. You know, know that that still happens. But what, what is it for us who live in countries like this, these is that we know we are also required to die. We're also required to make sacrifices. So we ought not to forget that. Don't think that our lives are meant to be comfortable. Don't desire the comfort of this world. So let me move on. So I was greeting Pastor Kay and Sister Vadeke. We love them. Um, and there were people within the, you know, within the community, you know, the Banda family. You saw TK there who's now acquired a wife. God bless him. And, and a daughter. <laughs> so... TK is very special to us, so is his brother Guma, who has acquired a wonderful wife, Lolade, very dear to us. Um, and there were people like Sister Pinky, Sister Gladys, you know, um, and there were stories, you know, stories behind them. But I must say that having, you know, been among them, having gone through those experiences, it, it was, you know, when you're in it, I think you don't really appreciate, you know, what you have. And when God causes you to reflect, you then realize how precious things are. And I, I don't know what you all consider precious, valuable, but, you know, you ought to value each other. You ought to value other people. And I will go back to that. And, you know, I also want to greet um, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Femi, Pastor 
Bukimi, I probably did not pronounce that right. Um, you know, Pastor Sassy Paul, um, you know, Pastor Pax. <laughs> I must say, Pastor Pax, very special to me. Pastor Pax, always cheerful. You know, he was the, the one in the community always saying woohoo if you ever did hear him. But, <laughs> you know, so much zeal, enthusiasm, but very meek at heart. And, you know, I want to say I, I value you and I value my sister, Zandi. Yes. Um, you know, and yeah, I might be sorry, I'm not giving you a deep revelation, <laughs> but I just want to, I believe this is what the Lord wants me to do, to appreciate because we, we're hearing the high revelation, but I want you to appreciate that and to also appreciate the people who God is using, you know, to deliver this to you, for you to know who you're following. And I must say, before I met Reverend Kay and Pastor Thompson and all the others, I never knew what it meant to be meek and humble. And I think we were, you know, puffed up in our understanding of who God is until we were brought low. We were brought low. <laughs> You know, when you felt like you just rent your clothes and say, oh, wretched man that I am. That's what it felt like, you know. I, you know, when they start speaking of humility, I remember Reverend Helen always saying, yes, God is low, you know, he's meek, you know, he's come down to our level. From his high estate, he descended. And why can't we do that? Man is proud. Man is proud. You know, this thing called gay pride. There's a reason why they put pride at the end of it. Make no mistake. There's a reason. Man is puffed up and proud. He is saying, I can determine my own destiny. That's always been the problem with man. You know, I, I'll chart my own way. I'll decide if I am male or female, no, you don't tell me that I am a woman. No, 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 no. I'll make myself what I want to be. And that pretty much is what has been injected into these lost souls. And, and when you see them, you know, when you hear about them, just know that they are lost souls. And when you see all the things that are out there, then guess what? you recognize your responsibility. That you see all these things that you are hearing, all this download, oh yes, all the jargon, and you can go out and chant it, but make it because, oh, the songs we sing, they're wonderful, wonderful. I, I was just thinking that, I said, wow, powerful words, very powerful words, but let us not just sing them, let us become them, let us make them, you know, make us. So, yes, I just want to encourage us. You know, um, we, you know, as Pastor Thompson, I felt, Pastor Thompson started teaching, I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, as in, you know, all that Pastor Thompson said were, were things that, you know, I, I was thinking of as well. And no, I'm not trying to, you know, go up, you know, on a level that I'm not at. Um, but yeah, for me, that was just showing us how God speaks. And I'm sure for all of you 
who have taken the time to process everything that you are also, you know, thinking, oh, yes, you know, he's saying, you know, what God has revealed to me, you know, God has shown us this. And as Pastor Thompson said, this, that great shepherd, wonderful theme, ordained by God, I am very sure, because it is, it, it culminates, it's a culmination of everything. So in the beginning, as Pastor Thompson was saying, it was God's intention to bring out his shepherdic nature. And his shepherdic nature was evident, yes, even before the fall. And how he prepared everything, how he formed man, how he gave an instruction to man. And it seemed very simple, wasn't it? You know, yeah, tend to the garden. Um, yes, you can eat everything. Very nice, wonderful. Um, you know, eat of every tree. Um, but you see that one? Don't eat from it. You know, you'll die. And, you know, we can build some, you know, we can just about think about what would have transpired there. You know, how did Adam and Eve get to the point that, they would have thought it was, you know, the thing to do, go eat the fruit that you're not supposed to eat. But it was done. But all, you know, there was all purpose behind it. And one of the things to note or understand was the role of Eve, because I believe um, her role has been, you know, not perceived in the right way by some. Um, and, you know, I personally grew up saying, oh, if only Eve did not take that fruit, we would not be in this position. Look how we're suffering. And then, you know, man being man, how he, you know, took things on. Okay, you know what that means? Women, mm -mm, you're a bit evil. Um, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, we all are. We all are. But, um, you know, but, you know, what Eve was meant to do. So God took Eve from a rib. Oh, God the great surgeon. Don't think man is a great surgeon, huh? God is a great surgeon. He took a rib from Adam to make Eve. So rib from a why why he took a rib? He could have taken a bit of his heart, not so or you know, but anyway, he took a rib, but where that rib was, so what your ribs do is it's a you know form a compartment and a protection for your heart your heart your lungs you know heart very important um that rib was is he called her woman womb you know it has meaning you know the woman who carries the womb you know she births things and what she was supposed to do was to impart wisdom her wisdom Sorry, men, I'm not saying you're not wise. No, bear with me. <laughs> but the woman wants to impart wisdom. And I, I believe there was a reason that Adam listened to her. And I'm not preaching that men listen to you, but you should, you know, <laughs> but within reason. Um, you know, that's he, and maybe Adam too had his own desires, you know. Um, I believe Eve was, you know, just like probably desiring the things that they shouldn't. Um, but I just found it interesting. Why was she the one that pondered, oh, 
this is a good fruit, it's good for food, it looks good, it's able to make one wise. And yes, she was supposed to be the one to impart wisdom, but unfortunately she was deceived. And then her husband followed along and you know, they both ended up in transgression. Now following on from that, God knew what happened and he came, said the voice of God walking in the garden was calling for Adam that's like a lost sheep isn't it and that lost sheep should have been come running oh God forgive me you know I have sinned no lost sheep said oh let's go hide <laughs> can you imagine no sorry I'm, I'm just thinking of the sheep going you know hearing the shepherd and deciding <laughs> listen I'm gonna go hide um, so the you know, that's kind of set the tone for the response that man tends to have. And I thought, oh, so where in all of it, and I'm not saying Adam, I'm sure repented and Eve, I'm sure they were very sorry. It, in Genesis, it didn't say that, oh, they broke down, said, forgive me, Father. They decided to sow fig leaves together. And God just proved, hey, you really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and he went and got animal coats to protect them. Oh, that's the great shepherd. That even when they're trying to hide from him and using plants, leaves of plants to cover themselves, he said, no, no, no. What you need are animal skins. And he was God the great tailor. Yes? Um, you know, it, just, it shows us that whatever man is doing now, it really is nothing. You know, we can marvel at internet, World Wide Web, and all the technologies, but really, it's nothing. It really is nothing. God is so much greater. I mean, think about it. God who made the universe. <laughs> God is not random. So when science comes up with Big Bang Theory, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They're very confused. Believe me, even my daughter said it. She said, oh, you see this physics thing? They don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> she said, one comes up with that theory, then the other one comes and discounts it, and they are all confused. And, you know, on one hand, they say, oh, yeah, this thing happened randomly. Yeah, we had a big bang. Some, you know, energy release, particles came together, and lo and behold, there, were, there was life. And we started from an amoeba. Then we multiplied, and we, oh, what foolishness. And believe me, this only came about at the turn of the 19th century. Mr. Charles Darwin, oh dear, yes. And, and this was an attempt to discount the church to discount God. They came up with this. It's, it's just a very, I, I don't know, it's so foolish that you can almost not believe that people follow it. But unfortunately, this is what's being taught in our universities. They, they speak it as if it is the gospel. And it, it is so heartbreaking that you actually have to listen to it. That's how you pass your exams. Not so. <laughs> So it's, yeah, but, you know, you know, we go back to the garden and 
And I must say, you know, it's, it's only because God's servants, you know, over the many years have been saying these things about the fight that we have in our souls that you come to see these things. And, and God is so amazing that he shows you these things, but he doesn't whack you with it all at once. He takes his time, you know, because he is tender. He's so very gentle. And, you know, when we decide, oh, yeah, I'm going to stray, I'm going to go off on my, you know, please remember who God is. And, you know, this is, this is what he has always been showing the children of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt by a mighty hand because of the promise he gave to their fathers. And the fathers you know, had a special place in God's heart because of the kind of hearts that they had, you know, seeking him in the midst of the world, in the midst of the noise. And, you know, we sing songs about that. I will seek out your voice in the midst of the noise. Yes. Um, but God made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham understood what the meaning of that promise was. And so did Isaac, so did Jacob. And they had children, as God has promised. So on the natural level, God, you know, fulfilled his obligation. <laughs> he said, this is what I'm going to do. But, you know, God, you know, he, he, I say he knows the script. He wrote the script. He knows the end from the beginning. So, you know, yes, the children of Israel, they have their story. And we're reading their story because it's meant to teach us. So it was God's intention that Israel come into, uh, he wanted to be in them, as Reverend Kay has been teaching. God's intention is to be in us. But the people couldn't take it. I mean, when they gathered at the Mount, Mount Sinai, and God thundered and lightning, now all the people shook because... <laughs> Saying, no, we don't want that thing in us. What's gonna, we're going to explode. Well, it's true, they would. <laughs> they would, because God said, listen, sanctify the people. And don't let them touch that mountain. And he said, oh, God, you know, you're being dramatic, aren't you? <laughs> no. He had to be. The people had no capacity to take him. And so... We went to the next level, which were, okay, Moses, you come up. And even Moses, bless him, he, he trembled and quaked. He trembled at the greatness of God, but thank God he, he persevered, you know, and dared to, to be in the presence of God. So, you know, thank God for Moses. And, you know, all the people that God used. So I was saying the great shepherd is a combination of the heart of God. And so all these men that God raised up, if you think about it, Abel. Now, Abel, son of Adam and Eve. I always wondered, oh, so um, Abel decided to make a sacrifice. I thought, oh, why do they want to make a sacrifice? Who told them they need to make a sacrifice? Perhaps they deduced that this sacrifice was necessary because man had fallen. Um, but Abel chose to sacrifice a lamb, the choicest lamb that he had. 
and cane brought, oh, I, may, I grew some crops. There you go, have it. You know, I don't know the quality of what they offered, but we do know God was not pleased with Cain's offering. And perhaps because of Cain's heart, and God knew what was in Cain's heart. So Abel offered a greater sacrifice. God was pleased. Cain became jealous. Yes, he didn't like that. Oh, how dare you, you know, like prefer my brother's offering above mine. And God said, you know, why are you downcast? You know, if you do well, you know, you shall be accepted. You know, they said, no, sin is waiting at your door. And sin's desire is to have you. And sin waits at everybody's door and desires to have us. But our role is to rule over it. And yes, it might have kept us back for a while, but now no longer. And this is why we gather here to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, this is why we're gathered here to hear, to hear what the Spirit is saying, where we ought to be. I mean, we can go on at length, you know, about what are the expectations. But when um, Abel, after offered the sacrifice, and then the next scene was, oh, Cain and Abel had some arguments, yes, and Cain rose up to slay Abel. So what was that argument about? Was it, how dare you give that sacrifice and win the favor of God? Or was it, oh, your sheep strayed onto my crops. They went eating what I did not want them to eat. So, you know, should I kill your sheep? <laughs> And Abel probably said, no, you can't kill my sheep. And, you know, he ended up being the sheep. And his blood was a testimony, but showed us what, what is required, isn't it? Blood. Blood must be shed. I'm not telling anybody to go and do things to shed their blood. But it's symbolic of what is required. We are required to give up our lives. We are required to lay our lives down. And I can stand here and tell you, lay your lives down, but there is an outworking of it. You can feel all energized, motivated. You know, you're on the mountaintop. Then you go out there and you're like, oh, you know. It's not supposed to happen. We've had enough of that, haven't we? No, we are meant to be built up, you know, producing, multi-becoming profitable servants. Not unprofitable, we are to be profitable servants. And Abel's blood was crying out. And so, you know, blood was shed. And when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, blood was shed. And what protected that last plague when God took the firstborn, it was the blood that protected the children of Israel. I don't know if there was anyone who did not put the blood above their doorpost. But if they didn't and they had some firstborn in there, that would be it. But, you know, many left Egypt. And so that theme of blood being shed has meaning and significance. It's not, oh, God just likes to see blood. No, that's not who God is. It all has a meaning. And, 
you know, when the children came out and they were in the wilderness, God was leading them like a flock. That's what the word says. God led them like he wrote, he raised up Moses to do so. But Moses had to be processed. He saved Moses. He kept Moses just like he's kept all of us. And he, for a time, Moses was 80, you know, older than Dr. Lamy, you know, leading the children out. He wrote, but it took that many years to process Moses in the wilderness. And Moses had to learn. In Egypt, he was king over armies, wasn't he? He was captain, general of the armies. Um, and then God had to bring him down to show him that man's way is not his way. You think, oh, high and mighty, oh, we are so powerful, you know, and you could think by your mighty arm, you have saved God's people. It doesn't work like that. So God had to bring Moses low 40 years in the wilderness, taking care of Jethro's sheep. But he had to learn to be a shepherd. And, and Moses being known as the meekest man on earth. That is what we ought to be. This is what we see in God's servants. Meekness. They're not high and mighty. No. And, and this is what I, I really appreciate about or, you know, those placed over us. They don't try, um, they don't try to, to, to launch a coup, right? They don't try and assert themselves in positions Oh, why is God only talking to Reverend K? I'm getting revelation too. You know, come people, listen to what I have to say. You know, what Reverend K says is, mm, you know, I give this. But everyone has a recognition that they contribute in different ways. And so they learn. We always used to say, come under. <laughs> you know, we learn to come under, but it's very important. You have to learn to come under. You have to learn to lead. You have to learn to be the sheep. You have to learn to lay down your life for the sheep. You can be the sheep and be the one offered up for sacrifice. You can be the shepherd and give your life for the sheep. And when Jesus was talking to Peter in John, I don't know if you all realize that John, the gospel of John, was very different from the other three and they call the other three the synoptic gospels because they pretty much had the same thing. But the reason John's gospel was different was he, he had a special understanding of who Christ was that the others didn't. You know, when we talk about the Last Supper, John was leaning on his bosom. And there's a reason, because he knew the heart of Christ. And he was the one, when you read John, he communicates that. So in, the, in, in that last chapter, when Jesus was saying to Peter, although Peter, you know, Peter is very special. Um, you know, Peter had a lot of zeal. And, you know, we use Peter as an example. But when, you know, he had denied Jesus three times, and yes, he felt bad about it. But in the end, when Jesus said, love, do you love me more than these? Do you know what the these were? Does anyone know what the these were? I'm, I'm, I'll be willing to hear, you know, because we, so, you know, 
we believe, well, I believe it's, you know, prior to this, they returned to fishing. Yes, you know, this is what they did. This is how they make a living. And this is what Jesus had called them from, to follow him. And they followed him for three and a half years. But then he was gone. And then because they didn't understand all that was happening, they didn't know what to do. And they were waiting. You know, they heard, yeah, Jesus was risen. They saw him. But then they still didn't know what to do. And Peter said, let's go fishing. Returning to the thing God called him away from. And others joined because, oh, we don't know what to do. Uh, you know, and you could look at that, oh, you know, he shouldn't have. You know, um, they should have continued in prayer. But, you know, we can, in hindsight, you know, be critical. But when Jesus said, oh, you love me more than these? And Peter's like, yeah. And he said, okay, feed my lambs. Then ask him again, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. The reason I believe, you know, people say, oh, it's because Peter denied Jesus three times. You know, he had to ask him three times. No, no, not necessarily, <laughs> no. There was reason there, just as Reverend Helen was saying, you know, he started with a lamb and their sheep and sheep. But each time Jesus was asking Peter if he loved him, because it took loving him to be able to do that. So this is what I want to say, everyone, that the reason why you're here is not because you love yourself, is because you love God. And what God requires is that you love others. And when I say others, yep, we, we have brethren, and there's a special love you have for the brethren. But there are others. You have to love them as well. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And all the others, they are oppressed and they are lost. We have to have compassion, as Pastor Thompson said. We, we have to know that our journey here in, on the earth is for our brethren. It's for them. That was God's intention. Children of Israel, they were to be appraised in the earth. They were to contain God, to hold him, and they should have been the city that all the nations of the earth would be coming to. And it happened in little um, drips and drabs, you know. We had Ruth, you know, um, uh, Rahab being grafted in, Tamar, you know. Um, and there was meaning behind those situations. God's intention for the Gentiles. So even when the Jews were being puffed up, God was showing, no, the intention of my heart is to have everyone, is to have everyone. And that was to be the Israelites' destiny. That's what they were supposed to do and become, but they failed. They failed, but Christ came to give us hope. And as I may you know talk about the servants of God who are now over us it is that what we have to recognize is that when we deny who or let's say when we deny that Christ is in them that the father is in them what are we being antichrist that's the spirit of antichrist 
when you are denying that Christ has come in the flesh. So, Reverend K, if I'm denying that Christ has come in you, I'm being antichrist. And we are not to be that way. And John spoke about that, that spirit coming in among the people. Don't let it come among you. There is no need for you to raise yourself above others by putting them down. There's no need for you to see the bad in others. I know we have faults and we're all growing, but let love prevail. Let me tell you something. The world does not know love. They don't. They think they do. But look at the things that they love. Look at the things they love. They, they love creation, and you might think that's a good thing. Yes, they're trying to save the earth, aren't they? You know, environmental awareness, you know, global warming. We're well aware there are those who value animals above people. That's how they love. And then I found it interesting, and guess what? The homosexual community believe they're the greatest lovers. They believe so. You know, when, when <laughs> I mean, they, that's what they posture themselves as. That's so false. And the world is false. And just like Cain murdered Abel, the world is a murderer. Don't <laughs> make no mistake, the world is a murderer. And what the world is, is really the wrong marriage, isn't it, Rev? It's the wrong marriage that took place. Instead of being married to Christ, to the Lamb, we were married to the enemy. Planted his seed, and many things that come after it. So when I was growing up, I used to hear things like, oh, what was it? Um, heal the world, make it a better place for you and me and the entire human race, yes. Um, you know, that <laughs> kind of feeling. And you grew up saying, oh yes, um, there's evil in the world, you know, good and bad. There's good, trust me, there's no good. It's all bad, it's evil. When, when Jesus said, take no thought for what you will wear, what you will eat, because these things are Gentiles, see. We are not Gentiles in that sense. You know, um, he said, you know, because sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Is it evil to think about what you're going to eat? <laughs> is it evil to think about what you're going to wear? In the context of the world? Yes. You, the world is, oh, these are necessary things, but it is evil. Is it what God wants you to have? Does God want you to have those things? Maybe, maybe not, but ultimately what is important is what God wants you to have, what the Lord wants you to have, not what the world dictates. And I encourage you, brethren, to be very aware of the wiles of the enemy. Well, who is the enemy? Pastor Thompson said, the man of sin inside of us the world and Satan himself. So we wrestle against. And so as we hear this word, it's meant to purge and take the evil man from inside of us. 
And when that evil man is out and Christ comes in, the Father comes in, what we do, we overcome. Don't think you can overcome without them. You can't just make up your mind, oh, today I will not lie. Um, I'm not going to lust. Um, you know, I'm not going to try and get that shoes that I've been looking at, you know, for the last few months. It's not about that. It is not possible by yourselves. It is by the power of God that we will be able. So we are required to do these things to come into what we have to. I really hope you are encouraged. You know, um, one other point I just need to, um, to say is that in that we have been married, we made the wrong marriage, yes? So when the scripture says, you know, you need to be separated, you need to come out, you need, and that you need to become as virgins, because that's the only way that then we can be married to the Lamb. The, the city that was described in Revelations. So, can we turn to Revelations um, 19? So, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And that fine linen is not gained by our own righteousness. It is righteousness that's been given to us by God, by the Father. Um, and if we can then get to... Revelations 22, from verse 15. So before that, you know, it described the city, you know, who, which was having its light from the Lamb, you know, from the Father. But in verse 15, it says, For without... Are dogs and sorcerers, warmongers, murderers, idolaters, whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So anything outside of that city is a lie. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that among the sorcerers, the whoremongers, murderers and idolaters and liars can also be some believers. You think, oh, that's the word. Mm. Yes, the world, they don't know any better, but there can be some believers among there. And I think that should sober us up, that we would not be there. We can't have falsehood among us. Can't have falsehood inside of us. You know, we must only carry truth. So, you know, I just wanted to say that we have married ourselves to all that is not of God. And as the great shepherd, that this is what he's 
leading us. And we can have many descriptions for it. He's the great shepherd. You know, he is our father. He leads us. God is many things. But ultimately, his shepherding nature is what saves us. It's what takes us from what we are. And I don't know how many of you think about it, but you, you know, you hear terms like, you know, when Esther was called to go before the king and Mordecai said, oh, for such a time like this, you know, you are here. And the same applies to you. It's not by chance that you are here. It's not, it was not random. So when you hear the words, they are meant for something. There is a responsibility that is being placed on you to take heed. And when Jesus came and he had his many parables, well, I see he sees us. Yes, he might see the people who are presently among him. So Pastor Thompson said he realized that the multitude was scattered. But also he saw us 2,000 years later also being scattered. And a, a lot of what he said pertained to, you know, yes, what the kingdom is and what we ought to be, how we become profitable, how when we hear a word, we don't allow it to fall by the wayside for the birds of the air to pick it up. We don't also then start to grow feeling great, and then the weeds come and overtake cares of the world. What we ought to be, good soil. That heart that is good soil. But a heart that is good soil must be, that must be created by God. That, that's where, you know, Christ comes in and the Father comes in. So please be encouraged. This is, you know, what is required of you. You may be required to make sacrifices. And I, I can't tell you what those individual sacrifices are. You have to be led by God. But just bear in mind, you're not doing it for yourselves. You're doing it for your brethren. You're doing it for God, you know. It is his will and his intention that we, that we become like him. And until we get there, Rev, the world will spiral out of control. It will carry on and on. And, and, and that sobers me up. I wanted to sober you up. That if you don't do what you are called to do for your time on the earth, yeah, you, <laughs> yes, that we are, you know, we, we will be responsible. Thank you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Rev. <laughs> Yes, hear the word. It's my heart. This is my heart to you. This is my heart to you. This is my beckoning to you. This is me calling you to hearken. To hearken you here. 
to hearken your ear, open your ear to my saying, open your ear to my saying, hear what I am saying to you, hear what I am saying to you, for this that you have heard is the heart and the attitude, heart and the attitude of the lambs and sheep. this is the heart and attitude you must come into, oh give heed, give heed to the word, give heed to that which you have heard, for I have sent my servant to speak this to you, to raise, to help you, to help you, for you to make decisions, for you to make decisions, decisions in your heart concerning things you have been holding and, and watching over time and, and looking, should I, should I not, being tossed to and fro, uh, should I make up, should I not, even though you like that which you hear, but this is to, to, to make you make a decision. Cut a covenant with me. Cut a covenant with me. Run with me. Move with me. Move with me. For this is also a warning to you. It's also a warning to you. For great darkness is coming upon the nations. If this heart is not found in you, you might be found wanting. You might be found wanting. So take heed here. Here. Open your ear. Incline your ears to my sayings. Hear what I am saying to you. Hear what I'm saying to you. For it is to save you. It is to save you. It is to save you. For that there is much, much more to that which you hear. It's the heart. It's the attitude. It's the culture. It's the birthing of heart. It's the movement of your soul. It is coming into natures of that which is of my person. I, I, I want you. To enter into my person. I want you to inherit me. So I am calling you. I've called you. I have anointed my servant. Even to speak to you. To make you to make a decision. To cut a covenant. To move forward. To lend a life. Lend a life. Lend a life. Don't just hear the life. Lend the life. Say the spirit. 